0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, hey, it's, it's great to be here this morning. I was thinking, you know, a long, long time ago, in 1976, I was a candidate for lieutenant governor of the state of Montana. I was running with a, a friend of mine, uh, Jack McDonald, a former state senator, and uh, we ran hard and we lost. Which was, which was all right. Because there's some things you want to do more than other things. But at that time, I was a little local county attorney out in Eastern Montana, Jordan, Montana. But I remember when we were out here in Western Montana campaigning, Jack took me to a place where there was a guy named Hal Curtis. And we we sat on his living room floor, and Hal was in the process of starting this very church. And so there we were back in 1976, praying and singing songs and trusting the Lord. And it's been my great pleasure to have uh, watched the different changes and challenges through the years. You know, churches are like families. They're really never, ever perfect. And in the family, you argue, you dispute, you disagree, you get mad, and then you get over it, usually. And uh, you know these are things that happen. You know, I haven't found a perfect family or a perfect church, and certainly a perfect pastor. I said, I've only one found one that was perfect. His name was Jesus Christ. But boy, we love coming here and listening to Pastor Lance. Uh, Lance has got a great anointing on him to teach the Word of God. We never come here where we haven't been fed something from the Lord, and so we've always uh, enjoyed that. So it's great, great to see people here. I, there's one, there's a few, there's a few outliers here in the house. I mean, a guy named Jerry over here that you know, if he gets out of line, I hope the deacons will cart him to the door. And there's a couple of others. My brother is usually the one I pick on, but. Uh, you know, I don't want to pick on him too too badly. Where you know he's a couple years younger than me. I do remember when he was preaching down in L.A. one time. One of the parishioners came over to me and said, "Oh, Pastor, I I sure like your dad. He's a great he's a great preacher. He's getting such a good message." I said, "Well, go tell him. He'd like to hear that." And so. And he, he says, okay. So he goes over and tells my brother, he says, boy, he says, uh, you know, you're a great preacher. You're almost as good as, as your son, Pastor Doug. And my brother looked at me, gave me the look to kill. But... Uh, i didn't make it up i didn't my brother he has a very creative mind and so when we're recurring uh we're covering some memories from the past he's he's got a great memory i mean it's very creative and imaginative and i said i don't think that happened so we're always arguing over whether that happened i thought dad had a tattoo and he said dad didn't have a tattoo isn't that what you said oh yeah well yeah i mean yeah, I don't think, I think he had a tattoo. But, you know, I mean, Dad's been gone for 40-some years, so we, we don't know. We'll get to heaven and we'll ask Dad. Dad, show him the tattoo, you know, hallelujah. But, you know, it's great. I, I, you know, I've always liked happy hour. I mean, that's a confession of faith. Before I was a believer, I loved happy hour. Matter of fact, I, I loved happy hour when I got saved. I came to the church service drunk. It was in the middle of a, a living room, and I, I mean, I got out there. I would promised my brother and Bob Malbrick that I would go with them for this meeting if they'd get out of my bedroom because I had a big hangover. So I ended up going to this meeting with them that night. I thought if I got drunk, they'd release me from the holy day of obligation, but they didn't. So I came, I came to the meeting, and it was like a, it was like a Shakey's Pizza happy hour. Man, everybody's singing and I'm singing. I don't know the songs, but I'm singing anyway. And then it comes to time to sit down. I sit down and, man, I tell you, man, I'm ready to either get something more to drink or go to sleep. You know how that is. Some of you know how that is. I know it. not everybody. But I've always had a burden for people coming who are drunk or drugs or prostitutes or transgender, homosexuals, whatever. We don't care. And you know, Democrats, Republicans, what? We don't care. You know, bring them on, bring them all into the house of God. God'll sort everybody out. Amen. Amen. Well, that was the night I got saved. I got born again that night, and so I've really had a I've really had a desire to see people just get in the house of God, get in the presence of God, get into the voice of God. And so I love the church. I I believe in the church. It's this imperfect bride of Christ. It'll be made perfect by the the groom when the, he comes, and, the, and we have that great marriage feast. It's gonna be great. You know, we just have to tolerate each other sometimes for a little while, right? And just say, oh, it's all right. That's my brother. I think some people think I'm a bit of an eccentric, but I know that I'm probably more normal than most people, you know. But, you know, it's different people have different definitions of normal, right? So, Hallelujah. I was telling a story in the earlier service about how there was a Montana preacher and he, he was in winter, winter sermon and he got all there and he was just, oh, he was so excited because he'd worked hard, really hard. You know, I like Pastor Lance, works really hard to get that message just perfect. And so he had the message just perfect and he was ready to, to really give it to, give it to him, just gonna give him the whole thing and he just excited. Well, it was a winter day and the winter was blowing, the snow was coming and everything and people, people were just not ready to get away from their home little fire and everything so only one old farmer came on in that door that day and the old farmer come on in and the preacher looked at him and thought man this is it got one guy one guy some guy named David he's sitting in the front row that's it that's all I got and he said, well, I better give him everything I got. He said, because you never know. I mean, this is it. I've worked hard and prepared hard, and I'm going to give him what I got. So, man, he preached. He jumped. He shouted. He spit. He, he pounded on the pulpit. He did everything he knew to do and gave it all to David. And afterwards, he gets to the back of the door to meet David as he, David's going out. He said, well, what do you think, Dave? How, how was the word? Did you, did you enjoy that? He said, well, preacher, I want to tell you one thing. He said, when I feed my cows, he said, when I feed my cows, he says, if only one shows up, I don't dump the whole load on them. (laughs) David had some wisdom, right? But I'm telling you, there's more than one in here, and I'm going to dump the whole load on you. So don't worry about it. Hallelujah. So we're going to give it to you, whatever it is. You know, I want to talk to you about Christian lies we tell ourselves. I don't know about you, but I always tell myself a lie. I've I've bought a 100 and some properties over the years, and I, I've started uh, 15, 20 different businesses, and I like I like starting big ministries and churches and businesses, and I just, this is it. I'm an entrepreneur type spirit. I don't work for anybody but God. Hallelujah. Sometimes I'm working for Mama, but this is, since she broke her ankle, I'm working for Mama now. So Mama don't pay well, but I'm working for Mama. Hallelujah. I was that high maintenance husband for 50 years, and then suddenly I have to learn how to do washing and how's that dryer work. And I can tell you, I know how to cook a little bit. Now I got to figure out all these other things. I hate. You know, one thing I found, I really hate making a bed with those fitted sheets. I don't know whether I'm just too dumb or too weak or what, trying to get those things stretched into place. And I said, this is a two-man job. I mean, one-woman job and two men. I need another man to come and help me stretch that thing. That's how many, how many men does it take to change the sheet or put a fitted sheet? Well, a lot more than one, I'm telling you. So, anyways... We've been, we've been going through that process because I've been the high-maintenance husband for, for 50 years, and suddenly I've got to kind of tend to the little woman, get her back on her feet so I can go back to my natural calling, hallelujah. So you know how that is. I mean, I'm praying every day, Lord, heal that ankle, heal that ankle, heal that ankle, Lord. Get her strong, Lord, get her strong, hallelujah. So this is our prayer day by day that hallelujah, but amen. Hey, I'm going to give you just some things that we tend to say to one another and that. But the one lie that I've said to myself over and over, even as I've started businesses, started churches, I've said it's going to be easy. Wrong, wrong. Hard is the word. Hard. Narrow and hard is the way that leads to salvation, the scripture says. So I found it, even though I tell myself it's going to be easy, I said it'll be quick it's never quick I'm always on a clock I run my life on a clock I try to get through lights based upon the clock if it's starting to turn yellow I speed up I don't slow down I mean you know different people drive differently right but and then I tell them it's going to be cheap it's never cheap it's always expensive. I always pay more time and more talent, more money. But I said, Lord God. But I tell myself these three lies because they make me feel good. That's the way I get myself ready to go do it. You know, so if I tell myself, oh, man, it's going to be really hard, really long, I, I can talk myself right out of doing it. But if I tell myself, oh, no, no problem, no problem, just wham, bam, bim, bang, you can do this. I'm going to try to tell myself that on the bed sheets. I don't know whether it's going to work or not. But I, I haven't gotten that way on the bed sheets. I say, man, those bed sheets are hard hard they're hard but what do you let me tell you some lies that we tell ourselves and i'm sure you've told yourself one of these lies you might be telling yourself one of those every day one of them is that you just need to believe in yourself see jesus said i am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the Father but by me. See, this is the truth. I want to be a truth teller all the days of my life. I want to be so transparent that you can see right through me. You can see my motivation. You can see my my pocketbook. You know, you can see the, you know, they say, you got any paper in your pocket? Well, I say, I pray I do. I got a little money clip in there. and You know, you always, you, you want people to see through you let's don't be Adam and Eve hiding in the garden let's don't be the people that are hiding away from God you got stuff put it out there you know I remember it was I don't know how long ago but when I heard my brother David preaching David and Elizabeth I thought man I started scrunching down I thought I was a transparent man I thought this guy is way too transparent I'm sitting back there feeling pain I said Lord I couldn't know how people could hear that thing twice you know I mean that was hard enough to hear once I mean I thought this guy is too real I said David shave a corner or two and make yourself look a little better next time I mean you be the hero in the story don't be the don't be the you. he didn't make himself the victim but he he made himself like he wasn't so good I thought man oh man that's I was so impressed with his honesty and I, I thought that was that was that was painful I said when I, I go to church I don't want that much pain you know I, I found I was listening to it I thought oh Lord I thought he was a pretty good guy. Now I know he's not. He was, he was a mess, and now he confessed, and now he's God's mess, you know. Once you confess, you're God's mess, you know what I mean? <laughs> See, that's it. I mean, if you don't get around to confessing, you're just going to be, you're going to just get to be your own mess. But once you get that confess out there, you get to be God's mess, and uh, then it's a whole different story, if you will. So people say this. And some of us have said it. I know I've said it before because I counsel a lot of people. I teach business seminars. I teach Holy Spirit seminars. I've taught a lot of Christians all over the world. Sometimes you just say, you just got to believe in yourself. You just got to believe in yourself. Now, my brother's a shrink. He gets paid to tell people to believe in themselves, to believe in God, to believe, to believe. You know, because he's trying to get them. He doesn't want them to believe too much or they'll quit coming. He won't make any money. No, Uh, that's a joke. That's a joke. Yeah, he'll get after me later on that too. So if you need shrink help, don't come to me. Don't come to David. Go to my brother, Don. This is how he makes a living. Hallelujah. I used to to make a living as a pastor giving out free advice. Now I just give it out anyway. I, I told people, I said, they really know I would stand on the corner and give people free legal advice, free spiritual advice. We used to have the pizzeria down in uh, Lakeside, and uh, the, the YWAM base was there. And so they'd come over afterwards. And so we were always we were always cut the pizza thing down, sold pizza by the slice and soda and try to make it for a dollar. And some people, they could only handle the, the toothpicks of those days. But, you know, whatever. You know, the point is, is that God wants to bless us but we need to do more than try to believe in ourselves sometimes we tell people that just believe in yourself and you know and God says no 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 you got that all wrong see this is where we as Christians become humanists if you will we're teaching humanism sometimes more than we are Christianity the scripture over in Acts chapter 16 verse 31 and verse 30 says what must I do to be saved what must i do to be saved believe on the lord jesus christ see greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world i can do all things through christ who strengthens me we need to believe in god not believe in ourselves if we believe in ourselves sometimes this is where we where we have the problem so we we say lord i want to believe in the lord you know it's a choice we can believe in yourself or god my God is so much greater he's got the cattle on a thousand hills the silver and the gold are his I want not believe in his bank account not my bank account I thank God that he's given me a bank account but that's not gonna be my salvation that's not gonna be my redemption that's not gonna be the things that's gonna get me through those those hard lonely nights it's it's the Lord Jesus Christ King of Kings and Lord of Lords if you will so the, that first thing we do what must we do to be saved I am persuaded that nothing shall separate me from the Lord if you will number two we need to live and let live how many of us have said that before many times you know down in Los Angeles where we have our church open arms most of the people are black there's a few brown people and one or two pieces of salt hanging out in there but in the midst of it all they've got a a white pastor you know you usually don't have a white pastor in a black church it's just not the way it's done and but this is it so they get down there but they're not used to a white pastor because the black pastors are kind of nice guys and they sing and they dance and they twirl a little bit but I don't do I don't do sing and dance and twirl I don't know how to twirl I like to twirl but I'm a little too old and too big I'd like to jump off the stage and land on my feet and not on my head but I'm not going to try that today either but the point was when, 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 when I got there I found that the thing I needed to do was I needed to speak the truth in love I needed to take my big nose and put it in their business because a lot of people never been trained how to even make a decision so they make one bad decision after the next and so I start right in there when they come in they say pastor put me on blast again well, I never heard about putting people on blast. I never heard that phrase. That was something they taught me down in South Central, down in the ghetto. And I said, what does that mean? It means you're telling my business to everybody. I said, well, are you ashamed of your business? No, but it's my business. I said, well, you know, your business is my business, and my business is God's business. We're in the Father's business. And so I just tell everybody. Well, I said, oh, Joe's back from his little vacation at the state penitentiary. Hallelujah. Well, welcome, Joe, you know. And, you know, people, people would say, well, you just told everybody he just got out of prison. Well, I said, so what? I said, we've got to get over this thing of hiding our sin. See, Adam and Eve were trying to hide their sin, and it didn't work well. But most of us really want to put on our good face. We want people to just say good things, but it might not be the truth. Come on. If we're a, we're a person in transition, we're moving from glory to glory because he's changing us into his likeness, into his image. We should say, praise the Lord. He's changing us. and so things are good when we get changed by the the grace of god if you will so people say you live and let live i don't believe that i don't believe that if you need to you need to really care enough and i like to say this to people we need to care enough to give a damn now i know you know some of you that's not the way you're i grew up catholic my wife grew up methodist she didn't like me to use the word damn or hell but once in a while that's the only thing that reaches people they don't know but god knows he cares enough about you to send a messenger to somebody to to drag you you know they dragged me to that first meeting where i got saved i mean i, I was dragged by my brother and and bob moberg because they cared enough to get me there i i thought they'd let go of me once they saw how drunk i was i, I I'd the drunk, all that drinking was meant to escape the clutches of my word to my brother, you know, but I was a person who gave my word, I said I'd go, I didn't tell him I'd go sober, I went drunk, and uh, I got there, I was there, but boy, God just sobered me up, I got saved and sobered up in a second, and you see, God has a way about him, and in, in that, but they put their nose in my business, and I am eternally saved, 52 years, it changed my life, and that's what we have to do care enough to pick somebody up care enough to push on them amen And, and just a few minutes we're going to close and we're going to invite people to come up here because we care enough to put our nose in your business okay you know David Pastor David gave me a word he felt like God was giving him and it was a powerful word about the young men here that need to confront the culture and just say no to the culture and yes to the gospel powerful word because we're all at a place where we need to choose our decision you know you can believe what doctors say you can believe what the word of God says you can believe what, what the, the the politicians say or you can say oh, 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 I'm gonna get my I'm gonna get my word. I'm gonna get my word on. I'm gonna put some word on because I want to come under the authority of the word more than the authority of some politician or, or some doctor or somebody, you know, and you have to decide what you're gonna believe. See, a lot of people have surrendered to a spirit of tolerance. I'm just gonna be a tolerant person. No, let's be let's be a biblical person. Let's be a, a person that says I'm going to be a Bible thumper. I'm going to believe in the Word of God. Whatever this book says, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to believe. I'm going to quote it. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to drink it. You know, I found that my brother and I, neither one of us, went off to Bible college. I was a lawyer and I went off to to law school after I got saved. I was getting law school, and that was where I learned about man's law. But I started to eat the Word to cover cover to cover cover to cover i was doing this two times a year and then i went to once a month from genesis to revelation it takes three or four hours a day of pretty concentrated reading but i was just the bible said give attendance to reading so i read 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 because i wanted to know no 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 i wanted to be able to know how to live and the book was telling me how to live this is how you live this is this is what it means to be a christian this is what it means to be a born again feed yourself feed yourself don't run around and and say, where's Lance? I need my little daily boys. Come on, Lance, give me some food. Lance doesn't need it. He, he's going to come and refresh you and encourage you. Hopefully, he'll kick you in the butt and pat you on the back at the same time. But he isn't there to to be your little personal meals on wheels. That's not <laughs> it. No, no, no. If you if you don't know how to feed yourself, you got to get you got to get in the book. You got to get the you got pretty soon. The book's going to be reading you, and the book's going to be talking to you, and the book's going to be saying, "Don't do that." Don't go there, you know. And so you start adjusting your life accordingly. Now, another thing that people tend to say is just follow your heart. How many of you have ever said, I've kind of said that before. But you know, your heart, the Bible says in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, don't follow your heart if you're going in the wrong direction. You know, my wife and I—we uh, have—we're um, just geared differently. She has absolutely no GPS within her. We travel internationally all the time, and whenever we go someplace, oftentimes, you know, you, you need to use the baño, the bon, the bathroom. And so, whenever we go someplace, I've learned that I stand outside like a big peeping tom outside the women's bathroom, waiting for my wife to come out because I know if she comes out, she will go in very. One hundred percent of the time, the wrong direction. Totally, I mean, she can, uh, It's just just the way her, her DNA is. She has no internal GPS whatsoever. You know, she could. You know, maybe she knows how to run gadgets, and so we could do this. But some of you, you're like that. You have no internal moral compass fitly you're not yet you have been formed in the likeness and the image he's made it available to you but until you read enough of the word you're going to go in the wrong direction the word will shape your future it'll, it'll uh, cause your identification to shift and you're starting saying I've got a GPS that says this is the way walk in it don't go there don't go there and and it's exciting when we start to see that because we, we, we need to remember it's a lie to just follow your heart because your heart isn't gonna your heart wants what it wants and somebody said that sometime I thought well yeah heart wants what it wants well, I tell you what my heart wanted some of the same things old David's heart wanted after David said it I said Lord I don't want that anymore I mean and David done it all I mean I don't want any of that heart but you see that's the problem I, I understand men I understand men I understand men can come, can love their wife and commit adultery I understand that I've dealt with a lot of men and some of them were pastors who went through and committed adultery and we've had to reform them and reshape them and love them back to whole so that they're in the ministry today because the grace of God is bigger than their sin. The grace of God is bigger than their moral violation. Did they lose their moral authority for a season? Absolutely. But God can restore moral authority as you get yourself under under the glory, under the shower where the glory comes out and you just get realigned with the spirit of the living God. So we see that when you say just follow your heart, no, no, no. You need a heart transplant. Every Every one of us need a heart transplant. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. God gave me a new heart in 1970. And I'm telling you, glory, hallelujah. Before that, I, just, I was a determined fellow. If I had to run over everybody around to get my way and get my thing, but now I am just get so happy when somebody else has success. Somebody else gets the blessing. Somebody else gets the money. Somebody else gets the promotion. I say, man, isn't that cool? Because I learned that there's enough glory for everybody. There's enough money for Everybody There's enough promotion for everybody. You're not taken from me and I'm not taken from you. We're just getting it from the hand of God. We're suddenly, we're just positioning ourselves. I wrote a book called "Position for Blessing," and I gave 21 different ways to position for blessing. There's a lot more than a 21, but those were the 21s that I had a story to tell. And just because I love to tell stories that put people in alignment with God, because sometimes that's what we need. We need to get realigned with the Lord before sometimes we can get reassigned by God. He realigns us, then he reassigns us. Number four, I could never forgive that person. You know, there's a lot of us who had been hurt. Hurt, hurt. There's not a person in this room that hasn't been hurt by somebody at some time. We've been lied to, betrayed. We've been stolen from maybe, you know, broken relationship, broken finance, all kinds of different things. But I can tell you this one thing, this one thing is true that God says, if you forgive you're going to be a better person. Everything's going to make you bitter or better. And I'm convinced that the most important thing we do is learn how to forgive people. Just say, brother, don't you don't have to run over and tell them I forgive you. No, that's kind of an arrogant thing. Just go to your prayer closet and say, I just forgive them. Lord, I pray. I don't know what they're going through, but Lord, you do. And you, I pray for them. The Bible says pray for your enemies. Well, anybody that's putting you down, they're probably going that enemy category. So pray for your enemies. You know, love your enemies. And uh, that's part of what the Lord does. And I put a little post on Facebook the other day and, and put, if you've been hurt, you've been offended, build a bridge and go over it. Get over it. So some of us thing we just need to get over it. Get over it. You've been carrying that thing around for 10 years, 20 years? I mean, come on. That's just a car. That's a dead that's a dead carcass. That thing's going to eat you up. You just allow that thing to come into your bones and you're going to lose your joy and your peace and everything else. So we need to know that says I want. I give you a spirit of forgiveness. I love to preach out of Luke 17, verse 4. Jesus told all of them that if somebody offends you, forgive them forgive them. I wrote a little book about increasing your capacity and really it's a capacity to forgive but it's a capacity to change it's the capacity. See the capacity comes from God. He wants to make you better than you are bigger than you are, more kind than you are, more loving, more generous see God has these good things You know, he makes you into the person he wants you to be but you've got to comply because he says you're made in my image and likeness, you have my will, you have my sovereignty, you have to say yes all the way along because he's not going to overpower you and control you he could but he says i'm not doing that i'm not doing that i'm going to give them free will and they get to decide whether they're going to go forward or not number five god just wants me to be happy well, I tell you, this thing is... My brother has heard this a lot. I've heard it a ton. When people, people come to you for marriage counseling and they're hurting and they got some turkey, you wonder, how did they ever get so stupid to marry that person? And uh, yet... I'm not meaning to offend anybody, but as a lawyer, I used—I think one day I did about nine divorces in in a two-hour period of time. I brought all my clients to court, and, and, and a lot of people in my church were getting divorced, and I, I was going to represent them because I'm going to shepherd them through this terrible, ugly, painful moment of rejection, betrayal, whatever the moment was. But the one thing I've learned is that sometimes uh, they just want to be happy. But happiness is not the primary goal in life. The primary goal in life is is that we serve him, love him, obey him, know him. You see, happiness, I want to be happy, but I I want joyfulness more than happiness. You know, when my wife uh, fell down off the truck, I thought, man, she sprained her ankle. And I thought, it looks like an ankle sprain to me. Hallelujah. So we lived in that little fantasy world for six, seven hours before I finally capitulated to my children who were all calling me and said, Dad, take her to the emergency room, take her to the emergency room. I said, I'm a Christian. I've already taken her to Jesus. We've already gone to the emergency room. I've already prayed the prayer. I don't want to take her over there to, some, you know, in L.A., the emergency room is a really an ugly fair. So I said to Kathy, well, we could go over there in the morning, maybe, honey. Or maybe we call over there and see if they're busy. Maybe we just drive over tonight. She says, that sounds good. So I called over there and said, hey, we're calling just to, how's, how's your emergency room? Is it really busy? And they said, no, no, now's a good time to come over. So I said, okay, let's finish watching the show, and then we'll go over there so we've we finished you know you got to do things in an orderly way you know what I mean you can't be fearful and run out the door like the sky is falling so we kind of managed to load her up and get her in the vehicle and off we go to the emergency room and Sure enough, they weren't too busy, but by the time we get there, there's somebody else there. I'm not a good line stander. I don't like lines, you know. Line, you go down to L.A. and get in an emergency room. It's kind of like you lost your salvation, you know, and this is the thing. It's a pretty dark, bleak place. You know, you, you get down there, and everybody's crying and moaning, and it just doesn't sound good at all. But we got it, found out. They x-rayed and said, oh, yeah, it's broken. It did isn't sprain. I said, well, that tells you I'm not a doctor. I'm a doctor of jurisprudence, but that's about it. Hallelujah so we went ahead and got the got the plate and got the screws and hallelujah we're still praying for that healing complete healing mind you i need my my helper back she's she's the one takes care of me this is the way it's been working for a lot of years and i know you most of you men are jealous of that fact because your wife has done a better job of training you than my wife has of training me right be happy (laughs) (laughs) Hey, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Isn't that true? You know, happiness is a decision. We get to decide, you know, and I mean, but joy is a decision. I think sometimes there's some things that happen in life. You say, man, that that is C-R-A-P, you know, and so we can't say it. I lot my wife's a Methodist, and she'd have a problem with that. Down in, down in L.A., I could say it, but I don't know about what the rules are here. If David starts giving me the dirty look, I'll think, oh, man, I violated another one of those unspoken rules. I mean, I don't know, you know, and down there, we just kind of hang it. Down. Oh, okay, David, all right, David said, speed it up, all right. I would tell you about a guy that came into our church, though. It was down in L.A., and we were real excited about this guy. He, he, we didn't know him at all. I was in the middle of my sermon, and everybody was just getting saved and getting, getting the word of the Lord, and I was just power pouring it out and just excited. Suddenly, in comes the door, and it's a guy who is struggling. He's carrying, he's carrying a beer can, and uh, he's wobbling down the street, and everybody quits listening to me and starts looking at him. I said, um, can we help you? I better listen to him, too. That's where the whole crowd had moved. I was no longer the center of of the point of attention up here. So he said, I'm looking for donuts. So... I thought, well, that's a good thing. I love people to come to church with a can of beer and looking for donuts. I mean, wasn't that a wonderful thing? So I thought, man, we we got donuts or us, you know, whatever. So I said, so that time we actually had donuts. We usually didn't have them. But I said, somebody get him a donut. So one of the deacons went to get him a donut. And uh, he he went and followed the donut guy. And, I, and, and then he never came back. Afterwards, I said to the my deacon donut man, I said, what happened? What happened? happened to the guy with the can of beer he said well pastor he wouldn't give up his beer i said why don't you just tell him put it in the fridge the church has got a refrigerator put it in there and we'll give it to him on the way out you know i mean we down there in la where we live you smoke seconds you smoke stubs you do whatever you do Uh, you dumpster dive you pick stuff out of the dumpster and you bring it there I've, i've i've gotten full cigarettes that i've given away to people from the pulpit before most of them don't want a pastor dumpster dive cigarette but i i just do it to teach them something about you know frugality and stewardship and things like that hallelujah but I'm telling you Bring the drunks into the church. This is a this is a place of hope. Our our one of our ministries is called the House of Hope down there. Our ministry for our our, our people there, and we call our our open arms as the House of Miracles because we believe in miracles. We believe that people get saved, people get healed, people get all kinds of things. Some of the people say, "What will be, will be." You ever heard that? "What will be, will be." Kind of a a, a spirit of fatalism, if you will, you know. But see. God says in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, I put before you life and death. You get to choose. You get to choose. I believe we can choose heaven or hell. We get to choose. I want heaven on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want that heaven now. And heaven now means I'm free of sickness. Heaven now means I got some money in the bank account. Heaven now means I'm getting along with my wife. Heaven now means I'm getting along with my neighbors. I mean, heaven now has got a lot of things. I like heaven now. You know, heaven now for our sister I means she's the star of the, uh, the, the musical or the play or whatever's going on over in Whitefish Theater. I mean, this is heaven now. I mean, she get great reviews, and that's great. See, we don't want to do it and say, oh, man, I wish you wouldn't have done that. That was really bad. No, we want to we do it and really have People say, man, that was so good. You're so good at that. So we just believe that will be. But, you know, fatalism says all events are predetermined and therefore inevitable, and that's just not true fatalism doesn't take into account the sovereignty of God doesn't take into the fact that we uh, our believers are prayer warriors we know how to pray and we know how to listen because the best prayer isn't just what we say to God but it's what God says to us so you know the opposite of fatalism is activism if it's going to be it's up to me but you know that's not true either you know faith without works is dead but we've got to be real careful that we don't put it on us because we're in a we're in a relationship with god we're co-laborers the bible says greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world i love the fact that the father loves me I always tell people my pictures on his refrigerator I mean that's special that is really special but I said you know I found that every born-again believers picture is on his refrigerator because we're his children and he's proud of us and he he, he knows what when we've been good and he knows when we've been bad but he, he mostly just said these are my children right here many years ago I was having I had a dream and in that dream I was playing cards and I can remember this very vividly most dreams I don't remember but this one I remember And uh, everybody was uh, raising and lowering. It was poker. And, you know, as a Catholic, I was permitted to play poker. I know that some of you couldn't play cards. The Methodists can't even play cards. They got this queen of spades or something in there. I don't know. So anyways, I'm playing cards in this dream. And so they're going around. They finally come to me. And I said, I'm all in. I pushed every one of my chips into the center of the table. And they all looked at me. And I woke up. I said, well, Lord, what does that dream mean? You know, when you remember a dream, it's kind of cool to ask the Lord, what does that really mean? And he says, he said, I want you to be all in to me and to the church, to the family of God. I said, okay i'm all in and and i believe that that's how god wants each and every one of us to be all in to the things of god now if we if we run around spouting little humanistic lies that are not biblical we're never going to be all in we need to speak the truth in love speak the truth to yourself tell yourself no 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 you're not going to do that you're not going to believe that you know if you're sick start calling on the great physician you know, I know that different people have perspectives on vaccination and all this stuff. And I'm, I don't read all that stuff. My wife is a conspiracy expert, not me. So I, I let her talk to all the conspiracy people. There's a lot of conspiracy people out there. I'm not be one of them. But I'm also not vaccinated. But my brother's vaccinated, and hallelujah. And for, for good reason. So here we are, two brothers. One's vaccinated and the other's not. I'm telling you, one of us has got it right. The other one, no, all right. Anyway. <laughs> The scripture, I'm going to move on from there, all right? That's enough politics of the day, all right? Hallelujah. You know, some people say, well, God doesn't speak to me. A year, two and a half years ago, I spoke in the church here on Sunday morning, December 29, 2019. And I talked to you about hearing the Word of God. I love it when people hear the Word of God. Every one of us should hear the Word of God every single day, even if it's just a little pat on the back says, well done, good job, you know, pray for this person, call that person. See, those are little things, but God's speaking those all day long. You know, it's not just, you know, our sister down here, she hears from God. I mean, David hears from God. He even got a word this morning for the young men. But, see, God wants to speak in and through each and every one of us. So God speaks revelation, direction, correction. He speaks purpose, if you will. In the New Testament, he spoke uh, spoke, uh, through Peter. Peter said, Arise and eat. And... uh, and he brought freedom if you will there was a there's a word no it was actually God speaking to Peter he said arise and eat I'm always caught with that one time when God says silver and gold have I none but such as I have I give to thee I love that passage of scripture but and he also God spoke to Paul he said I'm Jesus I'm Jesus that word brought salvation amen and he spoke to ananias arise and go it brought direction god wants to speak to you today in every way so when you say god doesn't speak well then let's get the let's get the ears cleared out let's get something going let's get you realigned spiritually let's find out if there's some blockage taking place if you will number eight god won't give you more than you can i can handle have you ever thought that before? I mean, I've thought that. I'm sure I've told people that. Oh, God, the God of grace and mercy, he'll never ask you to do something that you, that he won't give you the grace. And there's a lot of truth to that. But at the same time, there's another part of that where God wants to bring you low enough that you call on his name. He wants to get you down to where you're actually at the foot of the cross. He wants to get you down to where you're ready for somebody to speak some truth into your life. You've given up your bootstraps. You've given up your self-sufficiency. And you said, I'm ready. I'm ready to to go where God wants me to go and to do what he wants. Sometimes we say, well, they're trying to get their story straight. You you ever thought you're trying to get your story straight? As a practicing lawyer, I used to interview my witnesses and I really want to make sure their story was straight. We call it coaching the witness. We don't call it suborning perjury. We call it coaching the witness. And so suborning perjury is wrong. It's not good. But coaching a witness that's okay you can coach a person tell them well don't say it like that say it like this it's a little better because they don't know words words have power words have meaning words have definition and so the point of that is is that everybody's got a story sometimes we say well sister what's your story you know lens mom she's got a story unbelievable story i mean this woman she was marilyn monroe in her prior life you know i mean you can see it just look at that this is marilyn monroe 30 40 years ago that's right yeah she's she's moved on to something else right so she just keeps saying i'm i'm just remaking myself as i go along on my my life journey but there are people in, uh, sociology, they say they're storyless Christian. They're storyless. They don't know what their story is. They don't know who they are. And we see this in our whole transgender culture. All of the people, they don't know who they are. But our identification is in Christ. We know, we're the people who know who we are. We know where we came from. We know where we're going, if you will, because we have found our, our story and our identification. We have found ourselves, if you will so we need I've been pastoring a lot of people who are storyless they've just meandered from drug to drug and prison to prison all their 30 40 years we're talking people been in prison for 34 years and the pastor of the church down there was in prison for 12 years and I mean these are the people that I've been hanging with for the last 20 years or so and I think Lord they need to know who they are in Christ because when you know who you are in Christ then you're on the right thing the last The last and perhaps the biggest lie of all is is God doesn't care. When you're in the middle of a lot of hurt, maybe in the middle of some physical problem, maybe no money or a broken relationship, you say, I don't think God cares. That's a lie. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. God does care. See, in like every good parent, we try to decide, when should we intervene? You know, when should we intervene? Like, we have four adult children and another one we've adopted. You know, we've learned how to pastor adult children. And we teach a little teaching on to pastoring adult children. One thing we've learned is they, they've had their leaving and their cleaving. And we've got to be careful we don't interfere. I mean, it's one thing for my nose to be in the business of all the people I'm shepherding. But be careful with your kids. You need to pray for them, and you need to accept them. Now, they might not believe the same thing we believe, but we can't just hector them with our opinion day after day. All we'll do is drive them away. We need to be able to pray for them and love them the best we can. See, <clears throat> God does God does care. You know, his greatest gift to mankind was he sent a savior named Jesus. He sent Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 14:17 that that he's given us righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Luke 2:11 says today a savior is born. I want to tell you something about this little story about only perfect people go to heaven. We tell that to people. It's, it's good doctrine, only perfect people go to heaven. And uh, so a lot of people spend most of their life trying to be perfect. A little there was a little story I love to read, and I'm going to read this to you. and it's a story, a little boy writing to to Santa. You know, when we were little children, many of us wrote little notes to Santa, if you will, because we wanted to get stuff. He said, dear Santa, There are three boys living at my house. Jeffrey is two, David is four, and Norman is seven. Jeffrey is good some of the time. David is good some of the time. Norman is good all of the time. I am Norman. Well, he's letting Santa Claus know, you know, that I am Norman. And I thought about that. But the scripture says all have sinned. There's none righteous. All deserve death. The wages of sin is death. There's somebody else, and I don't know who this is or I I refer directly and who said this, but it's called a man's greatest need. If it was for information, he would have sent a teacher. If it was for technology, he would have sent a scientist. If it was for money, he would have sent an economist. If it was for pleasure, he would have sent an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a savior. Isn't that true? our greatest need was for a savior still is today i sometimes i've taught people all over the world to pray a simple prayer i said pray this prayer i said it's not as important as the lord's prayer but it's a good personal prayer and it's simple and you can probably remember it here's my prayer i said lord protect me from me Ah. you know many of us need that because if we don't get protection from me we'll do something stupid I found that there isn't just the Holy Spirit in me. My brother talked about how I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, and that's great. I've I've enjoyed that blessing of the Holy Spirit. But I've learned that before the Holy Spirit, there was a stupid spirit, and sometimes in the same person, there's a stupid spirit and a Holy Spirit. And that stupid spirit wants to decide things and and get me to go there and do this. And I think, oh, I think is that the Holy Spirit or is that the stupid spirit? You know, and you got to decide. The Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin. The holy spirit came to be a guide a teacher a comforter but the stupid spirit came to just have fun you know eat drink and be married that's the stupid spirit the stupid spirit has a plan for your life and it's not the same plan see i believe that that god cares for you and you and me he's given us the gift of righteousness he's given us the gift of peace and joy I'm going to come down and walk down here because I like to be right close to where the people are so I'm going to uh, escape the stage without hopefully falling down or falling off the stage I'm a little worried about this when you're 75 you start to take a little bit more steps but uh, I give my brother Bob Johnson a little bad time because I said Bob I'm uh, hopefully a little bit more athletic I played golf with Bob a couple of times and you know, it's real painful playing golf with Bob because he makes me bend over and put his ball on his tee. I don't like that. So if you ever... <laughs> so, yeah, Bob doesn't even want to bend over. I tell you, Bob, I'm afraid if I bend over sometime, we're going to go head first. Hallelujah, right? But, uh, you know, Christ came to identify with our pain and our poverty. He came to communicate with us in our language. He came to relate to us in every possible way. I want to tell you a quick story. We're getting to the end of everything. A number of years ago, I was in the church. It was New Covenant Church at that time. And it was over in the little former uh, building that had over there in, in Columbia Falls. And I think there was a guest preacher that day. Preached a powerful message. I'm sitting in the back and I'm thinking, man, I'm under conviction. I'm feeling conviction. I'm thinking I should get up and go to the front and get prayed for. But before I could let the conviction get to my feet it was in my brain but it hadn't quite gotten through my heart and into my feet you know some of you know what I'm talking about well Pastor Don he says oh Pastor Doug come on up here come on up here and help us pray for people and so I thought oh man I should be going up to get prayed for. Now he's called me out. I was a little reluctant because many people knew I was a pastor and here I am sitting in the back and I'm ready to go repent of whatever it was I needed to repent of that day. But instead I go up there and, and pray for people. I said, Lord, what was my problem? Why couldn't I have gotten from my head to my heart to my feet? How come? What's the problem? Of course, there's that stupid spirit again, you know. But he says, here's the problem. Here was the problem. He says, your pride. (laughs) Oh, I don't like that word. Your pride was greater than your hunger. That's what the Lord told me. I thought, isn't that a terrible thing? But how many of us has this been true for us at times in our life when we won't make that phone call, we won't show up for that job interview, we won't do something because people said, don't, you gotta do that. And we said, oh, I'm not gonna do that. you know. But God said, your pride is greater than your hunger. This morning I've asked uh, Pastor David and, and, the, and the team if we could do something a little different and just if we could invite people to respond you know and i i feel guilty that i didn't respond all those years ago but i i told people that story all over the thing so they can know all over the world they know man that pastor doug he's not very spiritual i said you're absolutely right i was a i had that spirit of stupidity in me more than i did the spirit of humility you understand humility and stupidity they rhyme amen but there might be somebody here today or maybe they're in eureka maybe they're streaming and you are you've never asked jesus to be lord of your life Maybe it's your pride that's kept you back. But today is your day. Today you can do it. Just like I did when I was drunk. You might not be drunk. You don't have to get drunk to come to Jesus. You just have to have a revelation that you need what He's got. And when I, or even though I was drunk, I knew I needed what He's got. If you're here today and you, you've you never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, would you slip a hand up and let us pray with you? We're not going to embarrass you, but we're going we're to put you in the family of God, the forever family, the best family the greatest is there anybody here amen so we're a believers. This is a house of believers. I want you next Sunday to bring all the drunks you can, all the drug addicts. Our sister is preaching, and she knows how to reach drug addicts and drunks and everybody Because once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so you need to know that, hey, God does, let God clean the fish. You just get the fish into the boat. Amen. And God will clean them up, and God will take care of them. Maybe today, some of the things that I've said have touched you in a, a personal way because you know that we sometimes we hide behind our our reasoning we hide behind our excuses i wrote a book called no excuses no limitations and so i understand about hiding behind excuses and limitation but god wants you to to get set free As the musicians are playing this morning, the the prayer team's gonna come up and instead of just saying go over there, but if you've got any need, you know, we don't need to know your need, whether it's for finances, for a job, for a house, or for healing in a relationship, for physical healing. God knows all those things. You know, He's the healer. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. You know, all we can do is say amen. We're just agreeing with the Word of God. We're just agreeing with the God who is the healer, the God who's the great physician. So if you're here today and you have a need, uh, we want you to be quick to respond because we're not going to hold you up too late. Some people need to get out there and and feed their body, okay? So let's all stand and and, uh, as our sister and the musicians start to to play and sing, please be responsive. If you've got it, don't, don't make the mistake that I made. Don't let your... Your pride be greater than your hunger. Today, maybe it's just a little thing, but I find the people who who reach out to God, God reaches out to them. God, God sees you, and He's just like the father of the prodigal. He runs out and grabs you and says, "Come on, come on, let's put those dancing shoes on. Let's get set free today." Amen. So, as as they begin to sing, if you've got need for anything, anything at all, God is here to supply your need by His riches and glory. Amen.